0: So in Ayurveda, you have a principle of using the opposite principle to to balance something. So, pitta dosha tends to be hot, and um, it can show up as inflammation. Um, so like like skin irritation, or I mean you you know you know if you have problems with inflammation, hopefully, and and um, inflammation is just another way of saying excess heat in the body, or um, You know, a a hyperactive metabolism, or low-level infection, or something like that. And so, with heat, we can balance it out by applying coolness. And so, we'll learn what um, cooling foods and cooling herbs are, so that we can say if you if you wake up and you just feel like you're if you're like wake up angry which happens sometimes I've heard I've heard and um, <laughs> like you know like okay here's a day where I need to like eat more cooling foods I should drink cooling you know take cooling herbs in the form of teas um, and you gain you gain a little you have a little home pharmacy so like you know which herbs are good for what and you don't you don't need to study this stuff deeply you don't need to like take a clinical herbalist course you just need to A list, a a handful of herbs that you know how to use in a a variety of ways, and then you and and of course having that same information about foods, then you can quickly access, quickly assess yourself and apply the antidotes. So, um, predominantly with um, vatas, the problem is uh, a lack of kapha, so both a lack of kapha and pitta. So vatas are dry and cold. Kaphas are moist and cool and pittas are a little moist and warm. So learning how to balance vata dosha by applying kapha with a little bit of heat so like vata are going to crave or be, vata imbalances are going to be well treated by heavy grounding oily foods like potatoes and butter and things like that whereas uh, kapha types need um, light, drying foods like sprouts and cooked vegetables. We want to kind of... Ayurveda tends to avoid raw vegetables in general. Um, With the exception of pitta, um, pitta types do need that cooling, uh, drying effect of raw vegetables. Um, Part of that, I wonder, comes from... um, you know, we have, to, we have to have some differentiation between the principles of Ayurveda and the sort of rules of thumb that come from a particular, particular cultural and environmental um, climactic environment. So Ayurveda is coming from India, so it often recommends cooling remedies for things because we're, it was a climate that was pre- pre- predominantly hot. But then also, like, avoiding raw vegetables... Um, you could we could assume that in pre-modern not modern is not the great, greatest word but um uh that not all societies had clean food it, like there wasn't always possible to have clean like what we have here triple washed salads and everything like sometimes there were not even sometimes a lot of times there were there were parasitic and uh, microbes and stuff on raw vegetables and so cooking stuff was how you made food safe um so Maybe the prohibition on raw vegetables is not so severe in the modern West as it would be in a rural village that doesn't have abundant clean water and so on and so forth, but that's kind of an aside. Um, So the basic principles are that um, we want to cool off heat um, and warm up cold. And you can tell a lot about yourself just I mean, when I, when I was doing clinical Chinese medicine and doing consultations, like one of the main questions that I would ask early on to sort of figure out where they are on the spectrum was when you are sleeping at night, do you sleep sort of curled up with blankets on or do you throw the blankets off and kind of flop and stretch out? And that tells you a lot about a person's heat or cold because they're not like thinking about what they're doing. They're, they just notice, oh yeah, I tend, to, I tend to like blankets on when I sleep. And so, okay, that tells us that we have we're leaning towards cold vata or kapha type. And if they tend to like always feel hot, then we know that they're leaning more towards heat pitta type. Um, You know, maybe you notice that you some that you always feel cold, and you look around, and and nobody else is wearing a sweater. It seems they seem fine, but you you always feel cold. Like that's the kind of internal diagnostic. That's the kind of internal observation that we can do that gives us diagnostic tools that we can then learn to assess ourselves. Um, like vata's, vata types in its extreme tend to be underweight, have a hard time gaining weight, whereas kapha types have a hard time losing weight even if they work really hard at it. So that gives us a sense that we can, that gives us a sense of where we are and, and pittas tend, tend towards being kind of muscular and strong whether they go to the gym or not. Um, so, you know, we we can kind of start to assess ourselves. And of course, always looking that these are existing in some combination and some balance. Um, And they can all be, by the way, they can all be in equal balance. So you can have someone who's intense and intellectual like a pitta, but also irritable and anxious like a vata, but also is lazy and never wants to get out of bed like a kapha. (laughs) And then you have the the magical combination known as tridoshic. or have people who have a vata body type, who are very thin and slight, but are also very hot and have a hot temper. And so they can, have, they can be that combination of vata and pitta. So it gets, pre, it gets pretty complex. It's not so simple as, like, there are columns, and you can just, like, well, actually, we have I'm going to give you a quiz at the end of the class that is actually just columns that you can check But anyway, uh, um, so then um, with dryness, we want to add we want to add heaviness and, and oil to a dry type conditions, and we want to dry out damp conditions. So like um, uh, like excess weight gain or something like that is considered excess moisture or excess earth element. And so we want to balance that by drying it out. And then um, also we want to, for example, I mean this is more kind of abstract, but soften hardness and sharpness. And sharp and softness, so this is especially applying to the pitta type, which is the they're kind of the they tend to be the hard, sharp kind of like like get to the point, like why are we having this conversation right now? I just want to know, and then we can be done with it and then if they you, you're kind of like kapas and pittas can kind of irritate each other because the kappas are just like oh, you know we're just like taking our time and getting the, the pittas are like we are you know you can imagine a pitta and a Kappa in the car together, and the Kappa <laughs> wants to like stop and like sightsee and then and the pitta's like, let's just get to the destination and check into our hotel, and then we can relax, you know. But they never somehow seem to relax. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, like, we want to soften the sharpness and and like cool and soften the sharpness. And then, kaphas kind of need some stimulation, and so want to warm up the kapha. Stimulating herbs are really good for um, kaphas in that in that way. Um, so yes, I, I, I haven't really mentioned food in particular yet, and I'm not really gonna go into it in a, great, in a lot of detail, but I am gonna give you a handout that has lists of foods on it, so I just wanna calm, you, calm your vata right now and let you know <laughs> that you will get this information, but in a way that you can reference it on your own. Um, as well as a dosha quiz that has the lists of the characteristics of the doshas, you can use to self-assess, but then also use it as a reference for what the qualities and characteristics of the different doshas are. Um, And and on the other side, there's lists of foods that help balance the doshas out. So you can use that for personal reference, but also as a way to um, get a better sense of what types of things work for what doshas. So just to kind of reiterate, I want to give you like the big picture and the superstructure here because there's tons of information that can, that you can then use to fine-tune your own personal choices and your own personal dietary choices, and I will give you those resources before you go. Um, so the, the primary ways of then balancing the doshas, I kind of mentioned some principles of balancing the doshas. The, the main one really is diet and herbs. Diet, because we're eating all the time. Um, you know, we're having two to three meals a day, monastics, I guess, have one meal a day, but whatever we're... We're, it's something that we do on an, on, on an ongoing basis, on a daily basis. So learning how to pick and choose the foods that support your dosha is, a, is the primary way that you can use to balance your dosha. Um, in, the, you know, in the West, we have this allopathic idea, like we have allopathic medicine, which is just that when something goes wrong, you just like apply a drug and the drug sort of hijacks the body's natural functioning and like puts things in the right place. And that makes the symptoms go away, but it, it either suppresses or even aggravates the underlying problem um, generally. So it's fine for treating things when when you know when there's a major health concern. I'm not trying to bash Western medicine at all. I, I think that um, allopathic medicine totally fits into a holistic medicine framework, so I'm not trying to criticize it or downplay it. I am just trying to say that there's a lot of things that we can do in our daily life to... Um, to also treat these kinds of things before they get so severe um, that drugs become necessary. And then likewise, we think of exercise as we go to the gym and we really want to work out because we're trying to meet some ideal body type that we see on TV or in the movies or something like that. And Ayurveda doesn't really, doesn't subscribe to that way of doing things. Um, We want to um, just, as I've said, we just want to fine-tune what we're already (coughs) doing develop the inner awareness that we can make these choices on an ongoing basis. Um, I want to mention herbs a little bit because um, again, we tend to encounter herbs in an allopathic context. So herbs are um, plants that have um, a variety of um, compounds, plant compounds that have a stronger effect on our body. When we're when we're looking at foods, you know, we're primarily, look, primarily looking at what's going to give us energy so that we can keep going through our day. When we're looking at herbs, we're, we're looking at plants that we ingest, just like foods, but they they uh, influence the way our bodies work I- in a more specific way. And, um, you know, we tend to think of herbs as like uh, as drugs, basically, that like, oh, you have You have a fever, then you take echinacea. Or you have allergies, then you take nettles or something like this, you know? Um, We want to just tackle the symptoms that we're having. But I think of herbs Mm -hmm. as more like special foods that they don't have... They're not always delicious or delectable, so we don't eat them because they taste great the way that, like, fried potatoes at breakfast taste great. (laughs) But um, they do have um, characteristics that we want that we want to have in our, you know, we want to take those characteristics in and, and have them help us balance out our body. Um, so I think of herbs as something that we want to integrate into our lifestyle. And again, you just pick a handful of herbs. Um, you don't have to learn a lot about herbal medicine. Um, and I have some herbs on uh, on the list here. But we also have like herbal teas. You know, we have this basket of teas over on, next to the coffee station, and those herbs all have. Um, medicinal properties and healing properties in the correct dosage. So usually when we have a tea bag, we're taking a very small dose of the herbs, so it's kind of a recreational beverage. But those same herbs, when taken in larger dosages, have po- powerful physiological effects on the body. So just learning about the herbs that are in the tea bags that you probably already have in your kitchen at home and learning what they do at different dosage levels would, would give you a great deal of uh, tools in your home pharmacy um, without even having to go to the store and buy something, or like take capsules, or learn about some obscure plant that comes from South America, or something like that. Um, so learning about um, medicinal herbs really is as simple as that. Knowing about, you know, knowing that peppermint is cooling and decongestant and opens up the lungs and improves respiration. Knowing that the spices in chai tea are um, hot and stimulating, and that those are going to aggravate Pitta. They'll warm up vata and dry out kapha, so knowing that, you already have. I mean, we've got chamomile tea. Chamomile is uh, one of the best herbs for soothing and stimulating the digestion, reducing anxiety, helping you sleep at night. So instead of having one chamomile, t- instead of putting one tea bag in your in your cup, put two te- bag, tea bags of chamomile in there. Let it steep for a longer period of time. Let it steep for. 10 or 15 or 20 minutes instead of for 2 or 3 minutes and you've got an herbal beverage that has important and valuable healing properties and we don't have to go any further than the coffee station. Diet and herbs. Um, so then the uh, another characteristic um, or another um, way to balance the doshas is through lifestyle and exercise. So... Um, this involves things. On the, let's start with exercise. Um, again, we tend to, you know, in the West we tend to think of exercise as um, cardiovascular and weight training are the main two things that we have. Either we're trying to improve res- respiration, circulation. We're trying to lose weight. We're trying to build muscle mass. We're trying to strengthen core muscles, and that you know comes into the the yoga and martial art and world as well, where. We talk about core yoga or other things that are really targeting um, the musculoskeletal system, and uh, that's not wrong necessarily, but that's that's not going to be the best thing for everybody at all times. So, um, in fact, one of the um, so-called Taoist immortals, who they weren't actually immortal, but they um, were longevity experts, uh, help, basically holistic healthcare practitioners who. Uh, specialized in longevity tonic herbs and things like that one of the one of the um, Taoist immortals said that the absolute best type of physical exercise was gentle walking mm-hmm. because it doesn't aggravate your joints it doesn't wear out your body it doesn't stress your circulatory system or your respiratory system but of course that's in the context of having a really good diet and a and a mindfulness practice as well so he wasn't trying to he wasn't teaching people how to lose weight. He was teaching people how to um, be gentle on their bodies because people were, you know, people would be over stressing themselves. So that's just an example. Um, so we have all, we have a great deal of different styles of uh, of exercise regimens available to us. Um, You know, yoga is very good, especially for vata types. Um, I mean, and I'm not, I don't mean power yoga, but I mean more of like the soothing yoga, things that slow down the breathing, that draw the senses into the body, um, that help slow down, help stretch and smooth, smoothing and spreading is a good quality of yoga that really helps vata types. Kapha types do benefit from vigorous exercise. Kaphas really do need to break a sweat. Um, to to move the prana, to move the energy in the body, to help stimulate things, um, and um, Pittas are you know attracted to vigorous activities, and that's um, that's actually fine for Pittas. But Pittas don't need as much. Uh, pittas tend to be Pitta type tends to be attracted to vigorous exercise, even though they don't really need it so Pittas, and then the vigorous exercise kind of makes them more intense and aggro um so you know it's okay as long as you're balancing it in other ways so you know you that's that's the whole point is that developing this awareness and noticing that like certain types of exercise makes you feel more like for vatas you don't want to do exercise that makes you feel stressed out and anxious you don't want to be you know worried about your workout routine and kappas unfortunately, need to get out of bed and work their ass off in order to move the prana, move the chi, and, and bring up their level of vitality and, and uh, intensity because kappas tend to be, kind, you know, kappa type tends to be more chillaxed and more uh, un, unmotivated. And so bring, getting that stimulation helps improve the motivation, if that's what you want, you know? It's all about what are your goals and how do you balance that to get what you want from your life. Um, and then with lifestyle, this is a little more challenging because in, in some ways we're victims of circumstance um, because uh, we li- where we live, I mean, ideally things like lifestyle involve where you live. Do you live in a big city that's very stimulating? That's going to be really hard on vatas. That's going to very much aggravate the vata um, temperament. Um, but kappas who are more relaxed aren't going to be so disturbed by that. But we're looking at things like what time do you go to bed and what time do you wake up. Um, I've been hearing but the, the buzzword circadian medicine. So I hope that becomes popular because that's a big deal in Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. Is noticing that you that we have a, a that our bodies go through a, a series of changes in in in, in uh, sync with the the 24 hour period so there are times when we when the body wants to be invigorated and there are times when it wants to be uh, you know more quiet and and depressed not in a not in a you know emotional way but depressed in a sense of like calming things down and slowing the system down I mean it in, in that context um, and we can all we can all do more to synchronize ourselves with the rhythms of nature, and that 's what circadian medicine is really getting at: um, going to bed at a certain time, waking up at a certain time um, Chinese medicine in Chinese medicine, this is expressed by the way that the the chi flows through the meridians in a sequence, and the meridians are related to the organs, and so there comes a time where the the chi is moving into the core. Um, uh, between 9 and 11 p.m., the chi is moving into the core. There um, is sort of a tendency to want to go to bed during that time. And then at 11 p.m., the chi moves into uh, a different meridian, which is associated with uh, a lot of energy and creativity. And the thing is, if you're asleep during that time, that's when the human growth hormone is circulating. That's when a lot of the body's healing and regeneration processes take place. But um, artists, in particular, like to stay up late because that 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. they get a great deal of excitement and energy, which they that can be directed into their art and their creative work. So you'll notice that artists kind of they, you know, they get excited late at night and then work through the night. And so that's an example of of the circadian system that that same that same creative stimulating energy is either directed inwards towards the body's own healing or outwards towards some um, external goal um, so circadian medicine is uh, about trying to synchronize our own body mind cycle with the cycle of nature but of course if your goal is to be an artist then and you and you feel that your creative time is at night you just re- you have to realize that that's a personal choice and then what kinds of things can you apply in your life to help balance that out so that you don't burn out, right? Um, so um, choosing where we live, the type of home environment that we have, um, the type of home decor that we have even influences, uh, has an influence on our consciousness and that of course influences our, our bodies. So we want to at least what I'm asking for and what I'm advocating in this class is that we want to develop awareness around these things so that we can notice how they affect us, know what the, the, um, what the effects and the antidotes are so that we can make skillful choices that help us reach our goals. And then, of course, there are um, meditation techniques that balance the doshas. Um, or different meditation techniques and styles that work better for other people. Um, Maybe you've noticed this if you have been meditating for a while, that um, some types of meditation work better or worse at other times. Sometimes uh, shamatha, single-pointed concentration, just feels anxiety-producing. Other times it just feels boring and you fall asleep. Or other times it seems to work okay. It's an attractive style of meditation. So we know that there are there are analytic meditations that are more about working through a sequence of ideas like the kind of you know burning in the Nagarjunian formula or um, you know memorizing a text or memorizing something like the seven point lojong, learning the instructions really well, um, you know doing a reasoning thing the, like the one or many meditation. Um, these are all analytic meditations that are good for helping to stimulate kappa or a good way to direct that vata or pitta energy when it's when it's up and then we also have more um subtle body or inner like physical types of meditations where we're meditating on the quality of the heart um visualizing um visualizing expanding the heart center to build compassion meditating on the energy centers in the body like the dantian meditations or chakra meditations or um, cycling chi through the central channel or through the microcosmic orbit. Um, meditating on the organs is a popular one actually in um, Taoist meditation, is to meditate on the organs. And it, it's, it's pretty interesting because you get in touch with the emotional, with the felt sense of your emotions as they are connected to your organ system. So you're kind of working both with, it's like psychosomatic, you're working with your body and with your emotions. At the same time, and it's not really a rational, analytical thing. You're not like meditating on reciting words to yourself, but you are having a a felt sense experience. Or um, another type of meditation is like the single-pointed concentration meditation, where you're trying, where you're working on bringing your mind to a single point, uh, whether that is, you know, the the sensation of the air moving on the nostrils or an inner body uh, center like the dantian or. something along those lines. Um, But the point is that putting the mind in one place and holding it there. So these are examples of different types of meditations that are going to influence the dosha balance. um, And and we can learn to notice which kind of meditation is going to be most effective for us. Because if we have, I mean like vatas who tend to have an overactive mind um, doing a um, single-pointed concentration meditation can be agitating but doing a subtle body meditation can be very soothing and relaxing and energizing and uplifting so beginning to play with this understanding that our purusha and our prakriti the the our particular balance um, working with that in meditation helps us to develop the awareness of our doshas which we can then use while making um, food and and herbal choices and other lifestyle choices And um, we also can use that information to choose which kind of meditation practices are going to be most fruitful for us.